We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McEachran, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. This episode is a topic everyone is familiar with, Star Wars. I recently met this wonderful high-energy guy who had just written a book on the topic, and I knew I had to have him on Eager to Know. Who doesn't want to hear from someone who created a book, and particularly about a cool topic like Star Wars? So he sent me a copy, and I loved it. I wanted him on even more. The book explores Star Wars in a new, unique way, a bit more serious, but as you'll soon realize, nothing is too serious with Carmelo. I am thrilled to share my conversation with the author of Star Wars Multiverse, Carmelo Estrich. The title of your book is Star Wars Multiverse. Correct. What is the book about? If I ran into you at, let's say, an art opening, and (laughs) I were to ask you about the book that you wrote, what would you tell the person? I would say that my book is less about the franchise, less about the popularity of Star Wars, and more about the world of Star Wars itself. I was very curious to sort of look at what happens in the narrative itself, keeping in mind that it is an American cultural product. I mean, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. I was very curious to see the different relations that existed in the world, how they used language, um, especially in a, you know, sort of a, a sci-fi world, like who speaks English, who doesn't? Who gets subtitles? Who doesn't and why? Those kinds of things I was always very curious about. And it was not something that I was, um, it was not something that I was sort of seeing when I was reading about Star Wars. Uh, there would be sort of small references to it, but not very much. I was also very curious about gender and sexuality. Okay. Um, because that is something that recently people are writing about in Star Wars. A lot of it is very academic. I wanted to write something short. I wanted to write something accessible. And I was curious about sort of seeing, looking at the world itself. And the world of Star Wars exists outside of the movies. Obviously, it's outside the movies. And there's also the fan-generated content aspect of it which I was not really aware of. I think I sort of was aware of it mm. uh, until I read your book. And so that's, an- that's another aspect to it. I, part of my project in writing this book is that the tendency is to only write about the movies. Recently, especially because of The Mandalorian, to write about television as well. But I wanted what I'm calling an all-inclusive Star Wars. I wanted to include everything that is created by Lucasfilm and Disney and everything that is created by the fans. Um, from the very beginning, the idea of fan fiction and fan art has, has always been around. But now, um, especially when Star Wars started creating what they call Star Wars celebrations, like a convention of Star Wars that they do 
it's not very periodic. It's whenever, <laughs> whenever Disney wants to do it. Um, and it has been around since 1999. It's called Star Wars Celebration. It's a huge international convention. People come from all over the world. And in those places, cosplay and art are huge elements of it. How many of these have you attended? Only two. Okay. And I'm, a, I'm a bad fan. All right. And where, <laughs> and where were they? Um, the first one was in Orlando in 2017. And my, the second one was here in Chicago in 2019. Okay. Let's go back to when you were first exposed to Star Wars. Oh my Tell God. me about that. <laughs> where were you? How old were you? Um, I was 12. I was living in Puerto Rico. I'm from Puerto Rico. There was this one movie theater in Puerto Rico. With a, it was a United Artists Theater with a, with a screen of 150 degrees. And for 1977, that was like magic for me. It was a huge, huge screen. And I remember, I don't remember which movie I saw, uh, I was watching, and um, this trailer comes up. And the trailer was, well, the typical voiceover, but then this breathing. It was the breathing of Darth Vader in the background. At the time, I had no idea what it was, and I'm like, what is this? Um, and I remember two things. I remember the breathing of the Darth Vader, and I remember Luke and Leia crossing on the rope yep. in, in, at the Death Star. Those are the only two images that I have right now. And I remember, I need to see this thing. And, you know, it was very easy to convince my parents to go see it because they love seeing movies like this. So we went on the first weekend. It was October of 1977. And I was just, I just fell in love. Now, I, my first exposure to Star Wars was the trailer as well for me. Ah. So I must have been, uh, I was born in 68. Okay. So when I was nine. You were really young. Okay. okay. My neighbors and I, I lived right up the street from a big shopping mall with a movie theater. And we went to see some movie and we saw this trailer for a movie called Star Wars. <laughs> and I remember leaving after whatever movie we saw and all we were talking about on the walk home was, was this movie Star Wars that was coming out. <laughs> we we had never seen... I don't know what was in the trailer, but we couldn't stop talking about it. And then when the movie finally came out, I remember older kids went to see it and we all were had a, peppering them with questions like what was it like tell us about it and i remember <laughs> the the one thing that sticks out to me in the trailer there is a part where uh, r2d2 gets shot uh by the the little guys with the oh, eyes by the jawas well, the yes. jawas and it's like there's this all electrical stuff around him and he falls over and i remember being fascinated by that in the trailer <laughs> like what was this and i thought that r2d2 was this um, malevolent thing, and I was asking them. Oh, interesting. yes, I did, and uh, and I just, I'll just never forget that. And I was really young, and I remember that more than the movie. I remember the excitement from the trailer. I think, I think it's that similar to me as well. I don't remember seeing the film for the first time, but the trailer was memorable. Now I saw it many, 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 many times when it came out. And I, I never worked when I was 12, but I started raking leaves and mowing lawns so I could have money enough to go back and see the movie again and again and again because it was just marvelous. Now, getting back to your book, what type of 
person do you think would be interested in reading this book? I wrote the book assuming that the reader might have seen the films, but nothing else. A hardcore fan would enjoy it very much, but I wrote it assuming that they've seen the movies, but they haven't seen the animated shows on TV, and they certainly haven't read the comics, and they maybe haven't read the novels. Or the little golden books. All the amazing little golden books. Um, and so I, I sort of thought of, I always say that I wrote this book for an intelligent adult. Um, and someone who might be intrigued by Star Wars might not be necessarily a fan. I've, I've talked to many fans who have read the book and loved it a lot. And we've had wonderful conversations about it. But it doesn't necessarily, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a book only geared toward the sort of hardcore fans. Yeah. What was your intention with, with this book? So when, after someone has read this book, you want to bring them to another place as it relates to their understanding of the Star Wars world, I guess. Like what, yeah. how would you, what are you, what's your intention? What was your intention? The book originally was called Star Wars Seriously. Um, and because of the series that it is published, we had to come up with something different because all of the books in the series are taking something seriously. Uh, but I really, one of the things that I that I discovered as I started reading about Star Wars seriously for this book is that, you know, shows like Star Trek, shows like Battlestar Galactica, the recent The Expanse, there are serious conversations about these television shows. Uh-huh. But with Star Wars, there's always this sort of tendency of like, oh, that's sort of like the kiddie version of space narratives. Right. Um, there have been some serious studies of Star Wars, and some of them are absolutely wonderful. But the tendency has always been that we don't really need to study and think about Star Wars seriously. And part of what I wanted to do in this, in this book is sort of persuade people. It's like, no, I think it would be really, really important to think about it in sort of in a deeper way. I'm not a Star Trek fan, but from I know all, like all my friends are, are Star Trek fans, and they're always talking about how Star Trek is always talking about serious, deeper issues. Yes. And I don't hear that about Star Wars. I think there is, and I'm sure someone's going to kill me out there, I think there's an, there's an earnestness about Star Trek about the sort of exploration of the galaxy um, that sort of calls for thinking about first contact and thinking about civilization and culture and thinking about um, the idea of, um, of eliminating poverty and progress and modernity and all of these things. And I think in a way, Star Trek allows for those serious conversations because the stories are exactly about that. Yep. Star Wars primarily is a blast. It's just fun. Yep. But that doesn't mean that we have to simply enjoy it as fun. I, I always think of, I, I think this is something that I say towards the end of the book, that I love that Star Wars is both a distraction and an exploration. That we can enjoy it for fun or we can sort of th 
think through the enjoyment about all of the things that are happening in there. And so I, in a way, part of what I'm doing with the book is sort of holding the hand of the reader about, let's look at this again. Let's think about this character. Let's think about this story. Let's think about this planet. Let's think about how the planets relate. Um, because I think with Star Trek, it's very, it's there. It's like right in your face. When Picard goes to a planet where they speak in metaphors, yep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's the, the, the discussion is already there. The discussion is already there. I think with Star Wars, um, and I think in a way that's sort of the value of my book, um, it's important to sort of, to sort of think about Star Wars a little deeper so we can then have serious conversations about what's going on. Okay. When I think of the first time I was aware that there was a universe of Star Wars outside the movies was when I was a kid and I remember there were books coming out. And I never really understood what was going on. Obviously, there were books coming out that were based on the first movie, first three movies. But then there were these other books. And I'm like, who wrote them? And do they get approval from George Lucas? And who's managing the story? How does that all work? Well, we need about 15 hours for that one. But I'll try to summarize it as much as I can. Okay. Um, there is a moment during the first trilogy, during um, Star Wars Empire Story Back and Return of the Jedi, there were, of course, the novelizations of the movies. And there were a few novels here and there that were sort of surrounding the, the story. But once Return of the Jedi is over and there are, quote unquote, no more Star Wars, um, Lucasfilm starts thinking about the idea of creating fiction that is related to the stories of the trilogy. And it's not until about, oh, early 90s, 1993, where they start publishing novels in the world of Star Wars that are related to the trilogy, but are completely new stories with stories with complete, completely new characters. That wasn't until 93? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. For some reason, I thought I was seeing them when I was younger, but I, mu I must be mistaken. There, there, there were a few... The explosion of Star Wars fiction really starts after 1993 when there's a trilogy of novels by Timothy Zahn uh, with this amazing character called Grand Admiral Thrawn that later shows up in, in other stories, but he becomes the villain of Star Wars at that time. And that novel sort of created an explosion of fiction. Now, television, you mentioned in your book that there were a couple significant television series or content and i think some of it you mentioned was very very short short content and it sounds like that was very important to the whole star wars universe story correct um between episode two attack of the clones and episode three revenge of the sith um, and these were part of the prequel trilogy um, lucas hired an animator from from cartoon network to do what they called micro-episodes. They were two minutes long, three minutes long. They were on television, um, and they would be sort of in between other cartoon shows. Very, very, very short um, um, episodes that would tell the story of what happens after the end of episode two and the beginning of episode three. And they did, it's maybe about two hours of storytelling. Okay. What about comic books? Are there co Star Wars? Comic oh, there were books? comic books since the very beginning. I think um, that I think that's 
what I was thinking of. Uh, okay. I was thinking of the comic books. Okay. No, that's what, comic that's books. what made it on my radar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There are literally thousands of comic books. Let's talk about fans of Star Wars being creative. The idea of fan fiction and fan art is really old. Um, and Star Trek had lots of fan fiction done in the 60s and 70s when the shows came out. So this is not unique of Star Wars. Um, the other element that is very, very popular is the idea of cosplay. And cosplay actually started with anime. Um, and it's actually a term that the Japanese created. Um, and so things like superheroes, things like um, Japanese cartoons, anime, um, even some manga, it's something that sort of created, that was created in many, many different narrative worlds that existed in entertainment. Um, the thing about Star Wars um, is that it has become ridiculously organized. I mean, if you want to do the costume for a villain in Star Wars, there is an, an international organization that gives you all of the things that you need to do to that costume so, be can, so it can be approved by that organization. It's called the 501st Legion. It was created in California in the 90s. Um, and you can make a costume without it being approved by them. But yep. it is, if it is approved by them, then you have a approved costume to wear in conventions. Um, and you go into that website. I'm, I'm doing a new costume for, for the convention next year. I got like, you know, the belt cannot be more than two inches wide and the buckle has to show this and that. And you cannot use Velcro. You have to stitch things. And so it's, 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 it's serious business. Yeah. But one of the really wonderful things about cosplay is that many times it's more than just recreating the character. Sometimes the fans are sort of playing with it and sort of doing, doing mashups or doing sort of creations with them. I remember in the, in the last convention that I went, somebody was doing a Mandalorian armor, um, but all using Hawaiian designs. Mm. And it was gorgeous, mm -hmm. absolutely gorgeous. Um, I remember seeing a Malaysian woman using a stormtrooper and using the flag of Malaysia covering the entire the entire costume. Mm -hmm. um, there are little things that you can buy, like you know, like the Mickey's Mickey Mouse's ears in the shape of Darth Vader, and so you can wear that in the in the convention, sort of the post Disney purchase of of Star Wars. And so you could do something very simple. Yep. Or you can spend thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars. Or like I did, I learned how to sew, so I make it myself. Okay. Um, and so it's, 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 it's a creativity that it's more than just replicating the world. To me, is interpreting the world. Okay. Now, do you find Star Wars creatively inspiring to you? Or? I do. I mean, do. I, I do. Um, I, one of the reasons why I wanted to start cosplaying is because I found it that it was, on the one hand, sort of a way of sort of showing my love, but on the other hand, sort of learning about the world itself. Yep. Um, and so all of a sudden, like, now I know what a Jedi costume has. Right. And all of the little details that, that are sort of attached to it. And I now I see things that I don't see before. Now I'm, like, blowing up on the computer, sort of like, 
what, what does that belt look like? And how do you make it? And what materials should I use? Um, and so there's this really sort of excitement that is about making something. Sure. Um, and that is not, you know, that, that is something that I made that is related to something I love. Yep. But I'm not buying it. Yeah. I'm it, making it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's the difference between consuming creative content that somebody else created and creating something yourself. Absolutely. Have you been to Star Wars Galaxy Edge? Galaxy's Edge, I think it's called, in Walt Disney World. I have not. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for all the fans to go, so I can have space. <laughs> it's just crazy right yeah. now. Absolutely crazy. I want to go. I am dying to go. Um, and we're planning a trip with my sister and my nephew uh, sometime in 2022. So I did go. <gasps> I did. Oh, goodness. However, it was so <laughs> crowded. All yep. I did was walk around. Yep. I didn't do anything. Yep. I was so impressed with this place mm-hmm. because it looks like it's aged. Even though it's brand new, yeah, yeah, they did such a good job. I was so impressed with it. One of the things, and this is not something that I say in the book because it's been said many, many times, but one of the things that is remarkable about Star Wars that the Alien series also takes up is the idea that in a lot of science fiction before this, the spaceships always looked new. If you look at the ships in like 2001, everything looks pristine, like nobody has ever used or walked on any of these spaceships. And one of the really wonderful things when you see the 1977 Star Wars it's that things are worn. Yeah, and doesn't Han Solo like bang on the Millennium Falcon <laughs> to like <laughs> to restart make it, start? it? Absolutely. And and the walls are worn and things are broken and wires are coming out of places and the Jawa sand crawler it looks like it has been in the desert for yeah, decades. Totally. And so that's that is remarkable and new in sort of the Hollywood space narratives of the seventies. Um and so having that age, you, you, hearing you say that the park looked aged oh, makes com- absolute sense because it's, that's part of their trademark. Completely. Yeah, it was, it was really well done. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to say too much about it because I didn't spend that much time there. It was too crowded. I wasn't in the mood for dealing with all the crowds. Yeah. But I was really impressed. Um, they had a Millennium Falcon. They had a place where you could go build your own droid i want to make my own lightsaber that's what i want to do can you do that there yeah 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 yeah. there's a store and you can do you can you can create someone's lightsaber in the story like luke or vader or you can create your own you can be creative about the kind of lightsaber that you want to have this reminds me of Harry Potter land, whatever it's called in Universal. I'm not a big Harry Potter fan. I read a couple of the books, but I'm a, I'm a big amusement park and roller coaster fan. So I talk to people about this, the park all the time. I am so envious of people that are obsessed with Harry Potter because someone built an entire land for them. I mean, that must be unbelievable. And Star Wars would be the same. Uh, it would be the same thing. Like if I was a Star Wars fan, the fact that somebody built this must be incredible. I am a Harry Potter fan. I spent a day crying at that park. 
my two nieces took pictures of me crying. There's like hundreds of pictures of me looking at something and crying. And I, I, and so I, I don't even know how I'm going to react when I go to Galaxy's Edge, because, because you know Harry Potter. I, I, I read the Harry Potter books because my nephews were growing up while they were reading them, and so I wanted to have that connection with them. But I was not a child when I read them. I was 12 when I saw Star Wars, so it's going to be, it's going to be a very emotional experience, mm. very, very emotional experience. And I'm going with my nephew. And I am the one responsible for his Star Wars fandom. So it's going to be... How old is he? He's 28 now. Okay. He's 28 now. Obviously, Star Wars has good and evil. And it kind of seems to me that people are just a bigger fans of the evil characters as they are of the good ones. Am I, is, am I reading this correctly? You have a point. Um, there, there are lots of people that love the Jedi. There are lots of people that love the good guys. Um, but it is quite amazing how even though the stories are very clearly set, that we're supposed to like the good guys and we're supposed to not root for the bad guys. And yet... There is a huge amount of people all over the world, like literally all over the world, who are attracted by the Empire, who are attracted by Darth Vader, who are attracted by the Sith. There you go. So I'm holding up my backpack that I, I <laughs> just realized that it is a... I'll, I'll post a picture of it on the notes. Please do. But it is... I bought it at Target. It's Target Boys Department, $14. It is a Stormtrooper backpack. And I forgot that I had this. When I went to Star Wars Celebration the first time in Orlando, um, I had to wait in line, like we do for everything, for the store. I waited five hours and ten minutes to enter the store. So I made friends in the line waiting to enter the store. And there was this really awesome guy um, from Indiana, and we were just chatting, and we finally get into the store, and I go to buy these, these little bags, and they had either the rebel symbol or the imperial symbol. And I went straight for the rebel symbol. And he says, what are you doing? Why are you grabbing that one? Because that's what I want to get. It's like, you're not going to get the imperial one? And inside of me, it's like, wait a minute. I, I thought I knew you. I've been talking to you for five hours. I had no idea that you prefer the Empire <laughs> to the Rebel Alliance. And and it's been a it's been a learning experience for me meeting more and more people who find the Jedi objectionable, who find the Jedi politically naive, who find the Jedi too innocent. They sort of don't get the world. And the Empire gets the world. And so I think there is this really interesting attraction to discipline, to order, to authority that a lot of people find very, very comforting. And we can get into a bigger political discussion about this, but it's been really interesting for me to discover that there are people that go to Star Wars because of the Jedi. There are people that go to Star Wars because of the cute creatures and the droids. And there are people that go to Star Wars because even though they're on the losing side, they are very attracted to this notion of, of order, to this notion of order. Um, and so it's, it's, 
it's been fun and interesting. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that I'll ever be have the magic of being able to write another book on Star Wars. But if I were, one of the things that I, I would love to write a book about baddies, about the bad guys, because that is a fascinating phenomenon and something that I, I had not really thought about until I started writing the book. Yep. Has the process of writing this book changed your viewpoint on the Star Wars universe, your relationship with Star Wars? Has it, what has it done for your relationship? It's really interesting how the book actually did what I want the readers to have done. I, it made me think more seriously about Star Wars. Okay. And there were many parts in the book that I was sort of like, so what do I want to say now? I have a soft spot for the conclusion of my book because there are so many moments there of reflection that most of what I say in that last chapter, in that, in that conclusion, are things that I thought as I was writing the book. Mm -hmm. They were not things that I had always thought about Star Wars there were things that I thought as I put the book together. And so it was really fun that, that I even took Star Wars more seriously than I thought when I, when I put the book together. So it, that was sort of an exciting little discovery there. Oh, good. Well, I very much enjoyed reading it. Um, I didn't think of it as really serious. I thought it was very enjoyable to read. Good. And it definitely opened up new aspects to, to Star Wars that I wasn't aware of. And I guess I probably, I think I knew my, I'm realizing I probably knew my way around the Star Wars universe more than I thought I did, <laughs> uh, because there was nothing that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, I think I was not aware of the amount of content outside of the movies. I was not aware of that. And I certainly wasn't aware of all the the fan content, oh, which yeah. was super interesting and exciting. And to me, to me, serious is always fun in response to what you just said. Um, and I, I, you can be serious and totally enjoyable at the same time. And I'm hoping that the book sort of created that balance of, of thinking and enjoying at the same time. So if people are interested in Star Wars multiverse, where can they get this book? Um, the more, the most direct way is to go to Rutgers University Press, the website. Which is, what's the URL? Um, is RutgersUniversityPress.org. You can also buy it on Amazon. And um, if you're in Chicago, on a bridge bookshop and Anderson's bookshop, will carry it as well. Well, Carmelo Estrich, thank you very much for talking about your book, Star Wars Multiverse. It was fun. So this was great. Thank you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 